Has life been getting on your nerves? Maybe you need a nervous system reset. Today I'm talking to Jessica Schaefer of NervousSystemReset.com. She is a nervous system health educator. She is going to teach you about how to keep your nervous system in good health, reduce stress and reach your greater potential. Welcome to episode 38 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here today, Anthony. I'm so pleased to have you. So before we go into how you came to be doing the work that you're doing, maybe you'll start by telling us what a nervous system health educator is. That's a great question. So basically, I look at my role as being more of a guide and a mentor. Um, my belief is that our nervous systems, in particular, our, our autonomic nervous systems, are a core component of our health and well-being on all levels. So not just in terms of how our body's functioning, but in terms of how we um, are thinking our ability to relate to other people in the world around us, and even our ability to connect to something larger than ourselves. So whatever you want to call that, a path of service or a sense of, um, you know, being connected at a spiritual level. And yet none of us really are taught what is going on inside of our nervous system and how it's impacting us. So my role is to really teach people about nervous system know-how and nervous system hygiene. So basically that means teaching people how our nervous systems work, how they respond adaptively to the environment, and then teaching them very simple body-based skills that can actually help them start to not only recognize signs of activation in their system, but signs of settling. And these body-based skills are really designed to help quiet the nervous system and to basically downregulate it over time and bring it back into uh, a healthier state of balance and flow so that we can really live an optimal life. Oh, an optimal life. That sounds just up my alley. So <laughs> I'm guessing the first things that might people might seem to notice is less stress. I mean, that's what we associate the nervous system with and but what other kind of positive effects can people start to see from their nervous system what what was the word that you used for settling settling, settling. Mm. right so the really there are all kinds of things when when i work with people there are all kinds of things that they begin to notice the first is i really believe that education is super powerful we can't work constructively with something that we don't understand. And because most of us don't really know that our nervous system is inside of our bodies driving us all the time, and we don't know how it's doing that, it's really hard for us to actually feel like we're partnering with our bodies. And so we often feel like our bodies are kind of, or our stress levels, I should say, are sort of dragging us around by the hair. We feel out of control, we feel overwhelmed, we feel powerless. And so one of the first pathways is helping people understand kind of what's going on inside of their bodies and how to work with it, how to recognize when the system is activating. So the kinds of things that people notice is they have a whole new perspective on their body and what's going on um, throughout the day. They have a much greater increased awareness of 
body sensation and body awareness. And that's true for people who come to work with me who are already quite body aware. So maybe they're yoga teachers or therapists or body workers. When we start to tap into the level of our nervous system, it's a whole different level of nuanced awareness. The other thing that people start to notice is that their um, stress reactivity goes down. Their resilience starts to go up. In other words, life is still stressful. That's not something we can really control. Um, and life will always be stressful. Do you our, mean to tell me that after all these years of personal development, I'm never going to make my life unstressful? <laughs> I'm so what sorry. What am I even doing? This, what, uh, do you know what? I think the podcast's over. I'm going to have to quit. <laughs> what am I even doing this for, Jessica? I am so sorry to be uh, the messenger. <laughs> but that is the truth. The truth is that stress is just an inherent part of being alive. And yet we can learn how to work with our stress cycles so that our lives feel less stressful and that we feel more able to negotiate kind of the ups and downs of, of um, what life is throwing at us. Well, at least there's that. So I'm guessing that, you know, when you were a little girl and you went to school and the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up, Jessica? You didn't say I want to be a nervous system health educator. Not many children grow up with that specific affirmation, aspiration rather, I, I doubt. So it does invite the question, how did you get in to doing what you're doing now? Yeah, that's kind of the story of my life. So I'll be really brief about it. But you're absolutely right. This was not a this was not a role that I would ever have imagined playing. Um, but, you know, I started my private practice as a body worker 20 years ago. And um, I had a, have a degree in massage. I started first as a massage therapist, but my practice very quickly turned into basically an energy-based practice where I was working energetically with people to help them come into um, better balance. And one of the really interesting things about that work was that every single person that I would work with, no matter what the um, circumstances were that were bringing them into my office for support, every single one of them, we ended up doing similar work. And the two things that we were working on were helping the nervous system settle and rebalance and helping them come into a more embodied experience, helping them connect more deeply with their body. Now, at the time that I started my practice or around the time that I started my practice, Peter Levine published his first book on um, working with trauma. And mm. he talked about the fact that our bodies have this natural discharge response of a very gentle kind of neuromuscular um, shaking or trembling. Mm. And I read somehow I got my hands on that book when it was first published and I read it. And everything that was in that book made so much intuitive sense to me personally based on what I'd experienced right. in my life. It became kind of a founding principle of how I saw the body. And what started to happen for me in my bodywork sessions with people is I started to notice that when people were coming into an experience of, of being held in safety, mm. their bodies would naturally discharge. So... Um, 
ultimately, maybe 15 years into my practice, I learned about another technique that's out in the world, that's been out in the world for about 20 years or more, called TRE, um, which stands for Trauma Releasing Exercises. And it's a way of intentionally activating that release response rather than waiting for it to happen. Mm. I was pretty captivated by that. I went through a training program to become certified as a practitioner. And what ended up happening is I very quickly was invited to become a trainer. And I spent four years representing that modality where I honed um, a lot of the self-study that I had done in neuroscience along the way over the, the last 20 years of my life. Um, Now, that model for me was very informative and very formative, but there were certain pieces that um, just were missing for me as a practitioner. And ultimately, um, what I realized is that I was really passionate about teaching people not just a skill for accessing a release in their body, but a whole different way of approaching working with their body, which means learning how to understand their body learning how to understand body sensation as the way in which our nervous system is communicating to us, and then learning how to track and monitor body sensation as a pathway to having a deeper dialogue um, and a pathway of, of learning how to basically calm and settle the nervous system. And so that's the work that I do now, which incorporates elements from the influences over the years, um, including Peter Levine's work, Eugene Geldin's, um, Gendlin's work in focusing, and of course, what I learned um, as a representative of TRE for, for four years. Right. Um, interestingly enough, Eugene Gendlin, uh, the, the author of that book, lived not too far from worked in a university not too far from where I'm broadcasting at the moment. And Scotland. That's wonderful. That's great. Yeah, now his work was really foundational, even I think for Peter Levine's work. And so um, those are sort of the primary uh, factors that I've pulled from, or the primary areas of, of focus that I've pulled from in the work that I do with people. And yet what I offer is its own kind of approach and its own, um, basically its own uh, educational and wellness model. Yeah, so you took what you'd learned from, uh, say, Peter Levine, a traumatologist, uh, Eugene Gendlin, a little bit about him. Um, he, in his work, he discovered that the clients that got the most out of psychotherapy, he taped tons and tons of sessions, were those who could tap in to what he called a felt sense, a general sense of how they were feeling that they could discover by introspection, examining their sensations, and people who tended to bring that into their descriptions and could watch it and feel that felt sense change, tended to see big changes happen when they were in psychotherapy, regardless of the modality that they used, whereas uh, those who couldn't didn't seem to be getting very far. And this is quite interesting because he was part of a school person-centered school of psychotherapy which tended to say that the practitioner shouldn't guide the client too much they should let the the direction of the session be influenced by the impulse of the client just but be open to them and follow them along so this created a controversy in a sense because it was hard to 
avoid the conclusion that what a good therapist might want to do is direct their client's attention to their felt sense if mm-hmm. it was a, if it was an awareness of their felt sense which was creating fast progress and then you got involved in trauma release exercises i've mentioned them once on or twice on the show before i'm sure mostly in passing perhaps uh, sometime i'll get someone on to to go into them in more depth and you took these influences uh, and all the lessons that have life that life has taught you and mm-hmm. you created nervous system reset that's right okay. yeah yeah and really the that that you know that little synopsis that you gave about um Eugene Jenlin's work is wonderful. And I think the important thing is that our bodies have so much wisdom in them. They really are designed, they're always working on our behalf to try to bring us towards health. And yet we don't really ever learn how to communicate with them. We don't really ever learn how to understand the way in which they're trying to communicate with us. So part of what my passion is with nervous system re-education work is teaching people how to actually listen to their body and to track cues of safety or lack of safety. Because as far as our nervous system goes, we either are having a cellular experience of safety or we're not. And if we can start to understand what our body's communicating to us about where it's at on that scale of safe or not safe, then we can start to work with it more proactively and begin to increase our internal locus of control, basically. And it's all about learning how to track body sensation and to monitor it. I think in the, the field of, of research, it's about um, intentional embodiment or intentional embodiment of awareness, I think they call it. And really, it's if we can learn how to listen to the body, that gives us a whole lot more to work with. Right. And one interesting thing that I experienced when I practice trauma release exercises and then later on yoga, um, I've not obviously had the privilege of trying all of your techniques yet. Perhaps I will, I will get a chance to in the future is that there was parts of my body that I couldn't actually feel that had gone completely dead and numb that only (laughs) through, you know, following my body down into nooks and crannies of my body would I actually get access to them and they become more alive because they've basically gone to sleep. And I'm still in that process of rediscovering my body bringing awareness into places in my body that I didn't know existed and sometimes even getting a little bit of a stretch in there so that the lights go on in there, go on again. So I'm just wondering what kind of experiences, I mean, why is it that we are so dead to these signals that our body is giving us? Is is this what would exist in a state of nature uh, or is this something that we've taken on from uh, our experiences, be they in childhood or adult life. What's your thought on that? Well, I think there are all kinds of reasons why we end up being disconnected fundamentally from our bodies. Um, I think certainly uh, culturally, it's we don't live um, with that perspective. I mean, our our most most cultures are very mind based at this point. We're very um, pr- we're oriented towards productivity and, 
you know, thinking and strategy and those kinds of things. And I think our bodies have been left behind. Mm. So that's part of it is that I think there's a cultural context and not just um, it's not just Western culture, you know, that uh, where I think that there can be a disconnect. Um, I think also it has very much to do with just the, the general state of dysregulation in our world. Um, and that includes experiences of adversity in childhood, mm-hmm. that ex- includes um, l- living, managing modern day stressors that are ongoing and frankly unrelenting mm-hmm. um, for most of us. And the kinds of stress that we manage on a day-to-day basis nowadays, they're not stress that stressors that are time-limited or that have a real um, basis of resolution in a fight or flight response. Right. So there's no defined beginning to the experience and end to the experience. That's it's right. just a kind of soup that we face every day. Exactly. So we're stewing in these ongoing stress signals and our bodies were not actually designed to live that way. Our bodies were designed to manage more acute stress that's time limited and that has really a, a hopefully a successful fight flight option. Um, and so we're, we're kind of living in this cauldron of uh, sort of the temperatures rising on us almost imperceptibly, but it's that proverbial um, situation of the frog, right? right? That's in the cauldron and the temperature is rising. And I think what that's done is it's created um, dysregulation in people's systems. And this is across the board. This isn't just about people who may or may not have experienced childhood trauma or trauma as an adult. It's just chronic, ongoing, unrelenting, modern day stress. So I think my point about that is it's not actually really comfortable to be in our bodies because when our systems are dysregulated, that does not feel good. And so we learn management strategies. We learn is to sort of disconnect from that, you know, whether it's self-medicating through substances or it's self-medicating through behaviors, right? Mm. Like anything can become a way of not having to feel what's going on in our body. Um, Exercising, too much um you know surfing the internet uh playing solitaire on your phone for hours those are all and i'm not judging those behaviors at all but i think that that um that is the tendency in our modern world is we're we're kind of on high and our mo is go 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 and we don't know how to pause and to slow down and to listen and we're afraid of listening but if we can learn that that listening actually holds the gateway to feeling better in our bodies, that can change the whole story. Right. Yeah, I sometimes wonder if I've ever been truly relaxed in my life. Like, I can still go to a yoga class for an hour and 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes that are meant to be the relaxation. My mind's still darting all about the place. But I haven't right. yet lost hope. I feel like I am on the great journey and one of the things that I would like to feel I can introduce into my life over the next couple of years is a sense of ease that I'm not really sure that I've experienced before in in fullness. So yeah. this sounds like that's really what your work is about. We've learnt to pull this elastic band so tight and our response to that, since there isn't a great number of nervous system educators such as yourself, is to find a way to 
distract us from the fact that, that the elastic band's so tight that it's kind of getting difficult to hold on to and we can medicate ourselves with substances. We might have obsessive compulsive disorders. Even people have very subtle ones. They don't even realize that when they're picking their nails or something like that, uh, while they think, then some people disassociate and just kind of go numb. And mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a lot of that about. And I think that I'm of the view that a lot of our social problems are a consequence of the fact that people are well, this society hasn't exactly been created to cultivate individuals to their maximum potential on an individual level. In fact, for most of um, our history, we've not actually had the time to even think about that kind of thing because you were working, whatever, 67 hours on a farm or, and then in a factory. Now that we've got more leisure time because of the technology, uh, which, as as you say, has been a mixed blessing because it can also be used to zone out. Um, people are more people are starting to think about their potential. I mean, for most of history, I don't think most people even got to choose their profession. They maybe just did what their parents did. But now that we've got this freedom and we've had it for a little bit of a time, people are saying, "Well, do you know what? Uh, I don't live under a feudal lord." Uh, I don't, I'm not having a marriage that's arranged by my parents. I can move to whatever country I want because we've got uh, travel and I can choose my own job and my own partner and I'm still like not happy, still not miserable. The job's very stressful and taxing. Like Maybe there's something not quite right going on here and more people are turning to uh, say a show like mine or to work like yours to try and find solutions to that. Yeah, I think you, you know, you mentioned something at the beginning of what you were saying about, you know, looking, hoping to find a state of ease at some mm. point in your body and, and also not having given up on that possibility. And mm. I think that's really important to know because our nervous systems can change structurally and functionally over time. They have something called plasticity. And that's a very hopeful thing. Mm. We didn't even really know this about the nervous system um, until more recently. So the advances in understanding um, really in, in neuroscience are really changing our thinking about how we can work with um, you know, states of dysregulation in the body. Um, but I want to say a couple of things about that. The first is that everything is a process. So we're mm. all, I would say, we're all constantly on a journey, um, you know, towards a, a greater sense of connection with self and hopefully a greater sense of ease and what I call safety in the body. That's a word that I talk about a lot. And what I mean by that is not so much our perception of being safe at a cognitive level, but like, what are our cells feeling? Mm. I think that's really where it starts. So you talk about, you know, a desire to want to feel at ease in the body. In my, from my um, life experience and from what I've seen working with people and working with their bodies for the last 20 years, it's all about kind of what's happening adaptively in the nervous system. And um, even when we find that state of ease and settling, it's not static. It's not a static mm. quality. Right. It's constantly changing because the variables in life around us are constantly changing. So I really think to be, quote unquote, successful in that quest, we have to know how to sort of surf the waves of uh, life through 
our nervous system because it's going to be constantly responding. And as we mentioned at the beginning part of the podcast, we can't, unfortunately, we can't control life. Mm -hmm. We can't eliminate the idea of stress as being an inherent part of of human life. Um, And so those things, maybe just to keep in mind that that this is, that's why I talk about nervous system hygiene. It's not like um, we get better and then it's all done or you do a few sessions Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're feeling great and everything's Mm -hmm. awesome. It's really more about like when we grow up, we learn how to brush our teeth right. and we brush our teeth. We hopefully we brush our teeth twice a day and maybe some of us spend more time doing care like flossing and mm. other things, but we don't even really think about that anymore. We just do it. And if right. we don't do it, there are all kinds of uh, negative re- repercussions that will result from not taking the two to three minutes twice a day to do that very basic task. I look at... Um, staying well-tuned in our nervous system as really similar to that. If we can learn how to, how the, how to work with the nervous system and we can learn super simple practices that may take a matter of seconds to minutes that are designed to help us retune our reactivity levels. I imagine that the world could be a really, really different place. And I don't even think it has to take more time than that, but here's the thing. It, Working with the nervous system is not, um, it's not just a simple formula. Mm. As we talked about, many of us have accumulated stress patterns, accumulated, an accumulation of even trauma history that we don't even know. We maybe haven't even identified it as trauma. It's alive in our bodies. And so when we're working with the nervous system, we really have to do it slowly. And in order to do it well, we have to do it kind of safely. And what that means is we have to really understand what our body responses are indicating to us so that we make sure that we're not overstimulating our nervous system in the process of wanting to heal it and downregulate it. And that for me is sort of the piece that I found missing in the work that I was doing previously with folks um, that really led me to want to um, synthesize a different approach to helping people learn how to bring their nervous system into better balance. And that, that the important element for me and the approach that I'm teaching now is that people are really learning how to listen to their body so they make sure that they're actually regulating their experience, meaning staying inside of a really authentic window of tolerance around safety and comfort in terms of how their nervous system is responding, not so much how their personality is assessing mm. experience. And to me, that's a really important piece. Wow, I mean, there's so much for me to pick up on there myself. You've got me excited. I think it ties into so many aspects. Like, say, for example, people might find something they think it's going to heal them up, whether it's going to the gym or learning a new skill, and it's like, I want to be good at it now, or say someone realizes they're really stiff and they take up uh, yoga and they think they're thinking how long is it going to take before i'm not messed up anymore before i can t- uh, you know before uh, when am i and impressing on people that this idea of a practice something that you can do every day that you can rely on that's or a couple of times a week at least that's um 
you're not always seeking an end, but you know that if you get a little bit better while you're doing it, that's enough. Like getting a little bit better each time is enough. And the idea of a practice is not so well established in the West anymore. And it took me so long really to realize that that's something that I needed. And, you know, I mentioned many times that I journal every day and I always... Um, that's my mental hygiene, for example, to keep my filing cabinet nice and tidy and help me unload, um, but also connect with anything that's just on the edge of my awareness that I've not yet realized. But sometimes when I put pa pen to paper, it comes out. And I always encourage people in that. And similarly, when I'm working with my clients, you were talking about, you know, you, you don't want to be overwhelmed by something. And I, I'm always careful to mention, you know, you don't want the emotion to overwhelm you uh, if, if if that can be avoided because we can get re-traumatized if we try and do too much mm. at once and it's this idea of like you wouldn't go to the gym and expect that all of a sudden after two sessions you can bench press your own weight i mean you can't do this year's gym sessions by staying in the gym all week you actually have to do something then you have to go home and relax and let your muscles recover for a couple of days then you go back and you, you and and th this idea of recovery time the mm -hmm. idea of you know recovery time in the in the mental sphere as well like it's as much as you know all the ancient gurus are all saying live in the present moment and no one's really no one's really none of us necessarily always managed to do it but i mean no one's ever not lived in the present moment they, they were just kind of maybe more ignoring the present moment rather than not living in it but it's so important to bring into our practices to try and say look if i can just do my work just now and try and get a little bit better just now rather than focus on the end goal of being magically healed maybe i can get a little bit closer today and I won't yeah. feel, feel downhearted because, you know, looking at the peak of the mountain might just scare you off uh, attempting the climb. And this, I guess I speak so passionately about it because it was a real feature of my um, psychology. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the reasons why it took me so long to embrace some of these practices because I, I didn't know how long it was going to take before I was... Uh, I was going to be better, so I don't know if you want to pick up on anything. I've just thrown you a well, smorgasbord yeah, of well, options. I, yeah. I think it's so important, you know, this idea of, you know, having this goal. Um, I, I want to get better. I want to feel this. I want to feel that. And also the expectation, I think this is a part of our modern culture, mm. is things come to us so instantaneously yeah, now. information especially. Information, right? We just kind of assume that, um, there is a magic formula out there, and if we can just find the right thing, everything will be better. So here's the thing. As far as, especially as far as working with the body and the nervous system, we are, none of us are built entirely alike. Like our systems mm. all function in similar ways. We all have similar um, reflexes and adaptive responses, but we are all unique in our individuality and that means that our nervous systems are going to be responding or are just our systems in general are going to be responding differently so in other words there's not there's not a magic bullet that's going to take care of everything for everyone and it's never about just that one thing i think it's really learning about how to work in partnership with our bodies and to understand what serves us and what doesn't serve us um 
and also to understand that this is an ongoing kind of progressive and cumulative process healing that is it's not like we arrive at the finish line and we've done our work and it's all over we are constantly um evolving our journey in healing and you know even when everything's going great in our lives on all levels and we feel like okay i finally arrived you know life throws us curveballs and right. upsets the the you know the apple cart and suddenly we're you know flat on our butt and wondering what the hell happened so it's it's a process everything is a process and certainly when we're talking about managing stress and building resilience Resilience is not a fixed quality. Yeah. It's not static. It's constantly in motion. And we have to kind of work at building that muscle of resilience and um, maintaining it, just like you talked about going to the gym, yeah. right? It's a lot like building strength yeah. in muscle tissue. We're, we're born with the potential for that strength, but we have to work at it in order to cultivate it. And if we stop working with it, we lose that capacity, not forever. We just lose our immediate access to it. And resilience is very much the same thing. It's like a muscle in our body. We have to work with it. So um, those are just some thoughts based on yes. you know what you're sharing. And one of the things in the work that I do with people, you know, there's a there's a kind of a a process that I take people through, and there are certain skills that I'm teaching them, but everybody's response to those skills differs. So some people. Um, find that their nervous system is really supported and their experience, their internal experience of safety is increased by a breathing exercise. And yeah. other people find that their system is agitated by that same exercise. Right. So what I'm really about is teaching people how to listen to their body and and work with their body to determine what supports and what does not. And that's all in service to... Um, really over time down regulating the nervous system. And as our nervous system starts to settle and heal over time, progressively and cumulatively, sometimes the very practices that we're agitating in the beginning become mm. what I call regulation resources for us later down the road. But if we start with them and they are not supportive to our system settling and our um, our experience of internal safety increasing, then they aren't the best resources for you in that moment. So it's all about learning what works for the system, understanding what our kind of present tense tolerance and capacity is in our nervous system, and then learning how to work with that and grow that over time. Right, so people are led to explore their first-hand experience and learn from first-hand experience what works for them and what supports them and what isn't at what time. Wonderful. So how would, uh, you've said a couple of times you can't eliminate, unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, because maybe if we um, eliminated stress, we would all just become uh, jellyfish, you know, there, we need mm -hmm. some, just like, you know, if you don't do uh, any walking around, the length of your muscles shortens, uh, your mu muscles atrophy, you, you, you become weak. Um, so, so perhaps a little bit of stress is, is required for us in order for Absolutely. us to stay strong. So you've said already we can't eliminate that stress. Whether it would be even favourable to do so is highly dubious. But we can uh, become literate about our own body's mechanisms for coping or even thriving 
uh, under conditions of stress. So what would a person who was, let's say, nervous system literate be doing differently in times of stress from someone who was not, say, I don't know, I come into the office and the boss is unreasonably harsh with me and uh, I spill my coffee and it burns my uh, chest and stains my shirt before the big meeting and uh, I need to pick up the kids but I've double booked with the meeting and so forth. Right, (laughs) whatever it is, whatever it is I discover. Supposing I'm... um, nervous system literate what will I be doing differently from someone who isn't okay let me just briefly say what it might look like if you weren't nervous system literate right so that there would just be a snowballing of those events that you just mentioned and then maybe you would pick up the kids and yell at them and get into a fight with your partner and um, maybe you're distracted while you're driving and you don't see the car stopping in front of you etc etc basically it takes you more into a stress response and further away from your body and uh, and what's happening inside is your body is signaling to you the whole time you're in a zone of danger. You're out yeah. of a zone of ease. You're out of a zone of safety. So a nervous system literate person would um, recognize coming into the office, the boss yelling, the coffee spilling, that first and foremost, they need a moment to pause. And they would recognize the probably the body cues or the behavioral cues that would be telling them that their system is activated. They're either in a fight and flight response or they're in um, an overwhelm response. So basically we have a zone of safety where things are flowing, we're open and engaged with the environment, we're creative in our thinking, and we're able to kind of manage our response to stress. Like we can put the foot on the brake and slow the car down, or we can take the foot off the brake and let the car speed up as need be. Then we have a zone of danger where we're not feeling safe anymore. So danger means any signal of not safe, even a minimal one. And that's where our stress levels are rising. And it's a little bit like the gas pedal in a car is pressing down further and further. And our system is activating. And essentially what it's doing is it's trying to find a way out of that not safe signal by finding a successful fight or flight option. And then we have a threshold where our body no longer has the option for successful fight flight. And that's where we enter what you could call the zone of overwhelm, where our body goes into what we call a free state. Basically, the system kind of shuts down. This is when we sort of disconnect from our body. Maybe our thinking goes foggy. We're not really sure what to do with ourselves. Um, We end up procrastinating or avoiding things. And essentially what's happening in the level of our physiology is our system is overwhelmed and it doesn't feel like it has any way out of Mm. whatever the circumstances are that have brought it out of a zone of safety. So those are kind of the tiers or the levels that we're talking about here. And so a, a nervous system literate person in your example would recognize the fact that they were no longer in a zone of flow or safety and that they were either in a zone of activation or danger or in a zone of overwhelm. What they would do is they take a moment and they would tune into their body and work with any number of practices, simply taking a moment to really feel their feet on the ground and to notice just the sensation of the feet on the ground. They might use their breath and really focusing on exhaling and feeling their exhale. They might take themselves out of the context of being in an office where there's all kind of stress signals that are activating them and just 
go to the bathroom for a moment and take a moment to settle their system. If there's somebody who knows how to use um, any of the regulation resources that I teach, they might in actually allow their body to discharge some of that excess activated energy uh, through a, you know, a gentle nervous system release response, which is the body's autonomic way of discharging some of that pent, um, pent up fight or flight energy that doesn't have a, a pathway out of the body. Um, so those are just some examples. And then they would be able to kind of regroup, quiet the signals back down, come back into the office. Maybe that took a matter of seconds or minutes, literally. Mm. They can go back into the meeting and kind of redirect the flow of the day. Instead of things continuing to escalate off the charts, they're back in a place where they realize, okay, their boss may have been grumpy for some reason that it was probably not personal and it was a bummer that the coffee spilled, but it's just a shirt and they need to pick the kids up and they're going to be late. So they text and send a message to the school, etc. In other words, they have suddenly strategic thinking back online, mm. they have resources that they're ready, both within their own body and also outside in the community, asking for help from their partner or a friend, whatever it is. That would be kind of an example of what a nervous system literate person could do in that moment. Right, because obviously our ability to think clearly is impaired when we're stressed. So a little bit of um, tuning into ourselves and having resources at our disposal where we can bring ourselves down to earth will help us make better decisions. And yeah, our physiology literally, when our when our body goes into a stress signal, it changes everything. And what what we don't realize is we're we're kind of used to thinking of stress as this abstract thing, yeah. right? It's outside of us, and it's you know we don't quite know how to manage it. But the reality is, it's producing changes in our body. So if we can learn a what those changes are, and we can learn how to work with them in the moment then we actually have more resources at the ready. Brilliant. So uh, I think that as well as equipping people with tools to use in the moment where stress is triggered, we've all heard that prevention is better than cure. And a lot of the things in your toolkit as well are designed to help people reduce their day-to-day -day level of activation or background stress is that right absolutely it i mean i think you can think of what i do and kind of what i'm about in terms of mentoring people is really about prevention um, now a lot of the people who come to work with me are not in a state where they're managing that well their mm. their systems are often quite dysregulated mm. they're suffering from either physical syndromes autoimmune diseases or um, acute anxiety attacks, things of this nature. Um, and so they feel very, very uncomfortable in their bodies and nothing's been able to help mm. and they're desperate for change. Mm. And even with people that are, you know, feeling that way, there are things that you, steps that you can begin to take to help restore to them the possibility that safety is available in their body. So a lot of what I do is helping people put the possibility of safety and ease back on their map of consciousness. Maybe it's never even existed for them. Perhaps they, um, you know, have 
came from a background or a childhood with a lot of adversity and their systems actually never really developed um, the kind of physiological regulation mm. that could help them um, work well with stress. That's a reality in the modern world. Many, many people, especially in the Western world, fall in that category where they've had um, childhood adversity that they may not even recognize as such that has actually changed the way their physiology responds in stress patterns. Um, so whatever whatever the scenario we're talking with, there's a way to put that possibility of safety back on people's map of consciousness. And once it's there, once they actually can connect viscerally with a moment of their nervous system quieting, even if it's just like a tiny little notch of downregulation, that's something to work with. We can keep working, moving in that direction and building their uh, capacity to track and monitor and cultivate that experience. And that's really what, um, you know, what I'm about. And so a lot of this is absolutely about prevention. And some of it's just about intervention, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people walking around, as you mentioned, at the top end of the broadcast, that are um, kind of in a state of overwhelm, and they don't mm -hmm. even know, right, they're disconnected mm -hmm. from their bodies, and they're using lots of management strategies to stay functional. But that's very different than living in a physiology that's really flowing optimally and um, and living a state of embodied um, safety. Right. And the wonderful thing is that if anyone resonates with this information and it sounds like you and that you feel like you would benefit from a nervous system reset, Jessica can actually work. You can work with anyone uh, anywhere, really, provided they have an internet connection because you can coach over the internet. So people right. can actually find your website at nervousystemreset.com. And if they want to follow up and get some help from you, what sort of options do they have at their disposal? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I typically, I work with individuals one-on-one -on -one via video conference. And, and as you mentioned, that means that as long as you have a computer access, a laptop or a tablet, and you have a good um, steady internet signal, the work can be done. When I work with people, um, I typically have people do a program, which is basically a commitment of six sessions with me. And I offer it as a package deal. It comes with a guidebook that I've created that help people work with building these skills and practices over the period of time that we're working with. And typically those sessions are spaced, they're scheduled out over a period of two to three months. So kind of back to that idea that this isn't something that you get in a, mm. in a day. It's not something you get in one session. It's not like you're just learning a skill and then you're going to use that skill. There has to be a kind of an arc of development that happens. And especially working with the nervous system because we're all so different. Some of my clients can really work through the the program that I offer really efficiently in a shorter period of time and other people need more ongoing mentorship mm. and we need to go very, very slowly mm. because their nervous system may, may tolerate, uh, uh, may only tolerate a lesser degree of sensory exploration. So just to say that it's a, a program that gets adapted 
uniquely to each person that I work with because we're all different and our nervous systems are all going to respond differently um, to the process. So that is one option. Um, actually, that's really the primary option. Mm-hmm. I do offer some, um, I, I'm based in uh, the Pacific Northwest of uh, the United States, and I do offer some uh, kind of weekend intensives regionally, but most of the work that I do, 95% of the work that I do is through um, video conferencing. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming and on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast and sharing your wisdom and also whetting our appetite to learn more about our nervous systems and how we might be able to take better care of them. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you extending the invitation to be here and um, it's been really fun to just have a dialogue with you, Anthony. Likewise, Jessica. Well, thanks very much. Um, Hope to speak to you again. Absolutely. Okay. I hope you're motivated to learn more. And you can find out more at NervousSystemReset.com. Until next week, be yourself. Well, don't just be yourself. Be yourself and love it.